Welcome back to the Flipside Podcast. We got Chris and Sean here today to talk about about what it's like to be a beginner, and we're probably going to be touching on what it's like to work through plateaus and how to slowly build your toolbox and build your skills and and uh, I mean something that I'm really passionate about, like the way of learning how to build combos based on what your highest trick is and that all tricks are connected. And so basically training those combos efficiently. I feel like this is going to be a lot of information that we've touched on before, but we actually haven't talked about this independently. So this is going to be a lot more in-depth and a lot more um, a lot more condensed uh, into like an actual stream of thought instead of just thrown in randomly. So this should this should help a lot. Um, yeah, so Sean, I would like to know, um, what is the path of building up your skills in gymnastics? And then obviously round off back hand, back tuck is like going to be the main floor combo, but yes. there's a lot of build up to that. So you, do you guys do like mini, I mean, combos that resemble that, or is that like the basis? Like you don't even sh- connect moves until that. So there are times where I'll connect moves to that before doing that. Like I'll connect. So like what I've done with what I call my beginners for team is um, the Springer's class that I teach at my gym. And one thing that I've done with some of them, and I've mainly done with team, I'll do like full turn, cartwheel, back walkover, backward roll, or back extension then like another back walkover or something but it works on doing everything or even i'll throw in a front walkover somewhere just work on being able to learn how things flow because that is a lot different than people give it credit for because they'll think oh well the first like floor thing you'll do is round off back handspring or a front handspring i'm like well no cartwheel still comes first and like you can combine a cartwheel and a back walkover more easily than you think you just gotta learn how to because it is a lot different than you would originally assume but it's there or even handstand forward roll like technically that's a combo move it's not 100 percent, but it's two skills combined it's a handstand then it's a forward roll so i mean in a way it's like learning that but that makes sense it's something that i really like that because it teaches you how because something that I, I've been told in tricking just a perspective on it is that a move doesn't begin and then end and then start the next move. They're actually overlapping. So say you're doing um say you're doing cartwheel back walkover, it's not that the cartwheel is ending when your second leg hits the ground. Your your back walkover is starting as that lever is happening. So they are overlapped. And that is the flow of energy. And it's extremely different when you are doing the moves connected. It's, it's very different than standing because it's hard to find the body position from movement. And then also on top of that, you're doing the, the pauses. I mean, the way you're posturing up and the way your weight's distributed is very different when you have a stream of moves. So learning where those pauses come into play. And I really like that you're doing the turns. So they're doing like, cartwheel back walk over you're finding a way to squeeze in the front walk over um you're doing a roll in there so like 
your weight distribution is going the pauses happen on the hands the pauses happen on the feet the pauses happen on different legs they happen forwards and backwards so all those little things that teach them how the momentum is moving and they they probably have they're, they're learning air awareness because they have to go in a straight line so a lot of yeah it's a, it's all it's a, so much in such a small basic combo but you can learn so much from that and i mean something so simple that trigger overlooks so much is that a cartwheel ends backwards so cartwheel back walker works you don't end sideways and which i know there's like a tricking cartwheel which does but you still need to learn the fundamental cartwheel that is first and then you adjust that you do a variation of that cartwheel (laughs) and i think that's really really important to learn and another thing that I do with them is I will really break down, like, so technically I'll, like, throw in variations of a cartwheel, because the way that we teach, the way that I should say a lot of uh, gymnasts will learn cartwheel, I didn't learn it this way as a as a male gymnast, but I've seen women's gymnastics is, is this way. They'll start in a lunge, do their cartwheel, and land in a lunge. They'll learn it that way, so I'll be like, okay, so we're going to do a side cartwheel. So side cartwheel, you will literally face sideways, and it'll go perfectly sideways during your cartwheel. Like, you don't turn to reach your hands, you go straight sideways over your head and end up facing sideways. So I tell them, like, you should be almost like a star shape, so your hands should be up at like a 45-degree angle-ish, and your feet are out, and you literally just do a cartwheel. And it is That's much simpler to learn that way. Yeah, it's so much simpler, and you're, you're coming down on the blade of your foot at the end. Oh, thank you. Okay, yeah. So I I throw that into them, and they're like, that makes no sense. I'm like, just try it. If you go correctly and you go fast enough, it, ha- it almost just happens without you having to try. The Technically, the lunge cartwheel lunge, you have to think about the turn to make it happen. It just seems less scary because you see where you're going, where the side cartwheel you don't. But then I start going... Okay, so we're going to start in a lunge and do your side cartwheel and end up sideways. Okay, now we're going to do side cartwheel and end up backwards. So then you work on feeling the different takeoffs, so then it helps for roundoffs. It helps for front handsprings. It helps for just understanding where you are if something goes wrong. I usually also do it on their, on their dark side, too, because you should be able to cartwheel on both sides. <laughs> that's, yeah, totally. That's and wrong that thing, actually, though. it reminds me of something that I teach when I'm teaching cork variations or full variations or working up to double twisting is i will have them learn say like a cork d leg or a cork tucked and then it gives them the timing of when they're at their peak and it's basically just you're just teaching them the air awareness and they're you're teaching them all the in-between movement and you're teaching them a bail point or for swings this one i really like i'll just teach them vanish so i'll be like do cork vanish nine and then they do that and then i'm like okay now pretend you're gonna do a vanish and then swing instead and then they get the proper weight distribution. And they're not scared to go on that single leg because they have a bail option. If they get scared on that single leg, they can just put their right foot down and vanish instead. Instead of like – most people just go, oh, I'm just going to do a cork big and then I'm going to eagle and I'm going to swing. And that's like the only option. There's a, or they just come down on two feet. Like there is that in-between where you can vanish. You can do that split step or you can pop. Um, to work into swing too. So lots of little nuances in there that you can work with, um, kind of like you're doing, where you're like adding that little bit of a variation to work into that next step. 
because then it, it starts helping them understand how their hands should push when they do round off. Because then I could do the same thing where I'm like, okay, now bring two feet down at the same time. Like, okay, and I'm like, that's a round off. Right. Like a very basic round off. Like, it's technically not a true round off, but like, in, in essence, that is round off. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, yeah. The only difference is you usually run and you push off your hands. And we've mentioned this one once before, but I think it is definitely worth mentioning again. We talk. I think we were. I don't know if we were arguing about it or you were just trying to break down how to round off better. And we were talking about card off, and then you were like, "You're like, but card off is just a round off because round off starts the same as cartwheel. And so if you're ending, if you're starting like a cartwheel and ending like a round off, you're starting like a round off and ending like a round off. So you're doing a round off." And I was like, "Whoa, you're right." <laughs> Whoa, what a thought. Like, wait, why didn't I not realize this? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I guess the the only difference is that in tricking a cart off that would be maybe out of a spin step or a hook kick, so you're not doing a true forward momentum lunge. But I mean you really wow. are. You should be still, regardless of a spin step or not. Um the only thing a spin step might do is set you up better for like a sideways punch. Or like a nine, yeah. or like a forty-five degree off punch, which makes sense, but it's still round off. Because <laughs> yeah. even a, who's that guy who does quads? I mean, even he is a little bit skewed at the end there. Oh yeah, I mean that's like tr- like someone has posted in a comment on one of our Instagram things. It was King is meant to be off axis, right? Yeah, it is. So I mean, I, I have to give it credit where credit is due. It's just still weird to me times when. Like I'll see roundoffs that'll end, and people will be like, "Well, that was quad." I'm like, I perspective because I'm a gymnast and I am a perfectionist and I'm an asshole. I don't see that as a quad. I see that as like a three and three quarter. I don't know. And and to be fair, right? I understand that. And also to be fair, that is a pretty big blanket statement to say that tricking is meant to be off axis, um, because in reality, you get to choose your axis. So there's freedom in that, but also mm. the axis is extremely important because if you're doing cheat nine, you're not supposed to be off axis. You're supposed to be vertical. And if you're doing a cork, yeah, you're supposed to be horizontal. And if you're doing a back fold, then you are supposed to be upside down. So, I mean, he's uh, this person, they're not wrong, but there's just more to it, you know? And uh, I think that that is relevant and it is a lot of personal choice. Um, so, so you're not wrong, Sean. But you're also very wrong. <laughs> I was about to be like, "Yeah, I'm not wrong for once," and I was like, "Damn it, I'm so wrong." <laughs> you're you're right and wrong, and so is he. And and it's just, I think it, you know, because even you've seen um, Abel Martin do swings; he's completely upside down in the swings. Oh, but yeah. I mean, who else does corks upside down like that? Not really anybody. So, oh. but but his swings are extremely good, and they are corks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so guess- it is just preference, and it's just how you how you get it done. That's true. But um, going into more beginner stuff, because yeah. I know we always, you know, like, so beyond, like, beginner combos, because, like, gymnastics doesn't really 100% like, work off beginner combos, because, I mean, like, yeah, on floor, technically, like, the first beginner combo for floor is, like, round-off back handspring. Like, sometimes for some of the kids, if they don't have back handspring, we'll do round-off rebound backward roll. So it, it, we get, a, technically, a flight element, and then something else afterwards. So reality like building up to that like we really build the basis off of okay you can do this skill you can do this skill now we combine the two and then it becomes its combo like okay you learn a front tuck okay now i want you to front tuck rebound instead of sticking it okay now you can do that 
Okay, so now I want you to go front tuck punch dive roll. Okay, now you can do that. Alright, now I just want you to land on your feet. That's it. So, okay, you just did a front tuck punch front tuck. So that's usually the way we build stuff off of. Um, like, be- learning those beginner skills, like, if you don't learn it somewhat right, at least the technical side of it right, even if it's not clean 100%, and I feel like this goes with tricking too, like, it doesn't have to be clean, but as long as the technical parts of it are there, it's much easier to clean up. Or if you don't learn it almost technically correct, it is really hard to make changes later on. And I know that we've said that different body types can like change how you learn things and what's like technically right for you. But I believe for most beginner skills, like 90% of people are probably going to be doing it almost a specific way. It should look almost identical, in my opinion, because it, it's usually it's universal. Like, everybody can do a backflip. That is true, but also I think that there is a lot that can be said about that because if you think about it like this, the higher level the skill is, then the more accurate the tech, the more the tech looks similar. I feel like a triple, like a triple cork, they're all going to look more similar than a single cork. You can make single corks look very different with different body types and the variations are so much more and then you look at quads and you're like oh shit they all look identical because there's a lot less wiggle room where you can do it wrong you know the tech comes into play and i feel like the body type starts to come into play um and now now we even bring it down from a cork to a b kick i have seen so many different kinds of b kicks so many shitty b kicks so many beautiful b kicks and so many b kicks that you're like i don't know if it's a b kick but Yes. You know, it's like on the line of being a B kick, but it's like nothing else. So I <laughs> you just gotta give it to him. Right. It's like you can do it so badly and it still counts because there's so much wiggle room inside of a B kick because it's so basic. So yeah. Um yeah. and, and there's oh, nothing yeah. wrong with that. I think there's nothing wrong with that. That is gonna evolve once you because the trick is, is forced to evolve when you put it through a test. So yeah. say you're going to do B-kick scoot, or say you're going to do B-kick B-kick, or say you're going to do um, B-twist. You're, depending on what test you put it through, it's going to change it. So say you're doing yeah. B-kick scoot, you're going to learn that landing on your, you know, if you're a left twister and you take off your left foot and you land on your right foot at the end, Landing on that right foot and all your weight is on that foot so that you can transfer properly into the scoot without putting your knee down, you're going to learn how to keep that left leg high when you come out of that B-kick so that you have a proper weight transfer. It's not something you needed to do before for just a regular B-kick. So you're going to do a B-twist out of it. You're going you're gonna to figure out that same sort of technique, but you're going to figure out how to dip into yeah. that. You're going to learn a different type of weight transfer onto your left leg, which is called vanish even from, you know, hyper to um, the BK takeoff. And then um, say you're just going to B-twist instead. Now your takeoff is going to be different. You're going to require to lift your leg higher. You're going to do something different with your arms. So you're going to put it through all these tests, and it's going to evolve over time based on what you're requiring from it. That's true. Yeah, because, like, your round-off will change. If you're doing back handspring, you're doing back tuck. If you're trying to go high... Right. So I mean, yeah, I can I can see that if you're putting more power behind it, more speed, all that kind of stuff. So I mean, yeah, right. I, I mean, even from. like, what if you're gonna do a round off twist? 
So you do like round off and then off your hands, you twist before you land on the ground. Like then you're definitely going to do it different. Oh yeah. I've really felt the difference between doing a round off twist and a regular round off. And it is still like wild to me. Yeah. You've done that before. Weird. Right. It's, it's completely different and it had to evolve. And I don't know, maybe it taught you doing a round off twist, maybe taught you something about a round off that you didn't realize. And maybe it upgraded your round off. Well, it, it did make me give an understanding of a different vault that we, I teach some of my kids, which is called a, just call it a half half. Do a half twist onto the table and you half twist off. But um, it, it gave me a little bit more understanding of like that vault, and I was like, oh, that's more sense. Like, think that to happen. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Okay. And that makes sense. I mean, even if it's like, for example, doing a B kick into a B twist. And you say, okay, this is how I transfer my energy for this vanish. And then you go, this is exactly the opposite of what I need to do for a B-kick to GMS or B-kick to Master Scoot. Like, you cannot lean too far over to vanish. You have to lean the opposite way. You need to keep your weight leaning to the right and that left leg high so that you have a way to collect yourself and reposture. If you hit that posture position too early and you just, like, pogo off the ground with no chance of collecting yourself before takeoff it's the what we call bounce radius is going to be a lot smaller the you know something i like to compare it to is a needle you know with a half circle and it's just like swinging back and forth and you have to try to get it in the middle well and then there's say there's like a red and it it spans across the 245s if you have proper weight distribution you allow yourself more time to get that posture up so landing in like a t-pose position is going to give you the most time to find posture and then take off so that would be 45s for your red so your needle is going to hit in the red more often versus if you hit posture before you hit the ground then you have to hit it directly on the nose right in the center there is no time to collect yourself it just has to be perfect and you have to react immediately which I think that's how gymnastics is more and when we do combo quote unquote combos on floor because we don't really we are instantaneously reacting to something where it's just a punch on a punch on a punch on a punch. There's no posturing up really of any of our skills. Right. When you the roll. the alternative in gymnastics, I think, is that because you guys are always using two hands and two feet, at least the majority of the time, um, the posturing happens before or like way before. So like, for example, you're postured up for say a round off double a, when you put your hands off down in the round off, that's when you're posturing up properly for that next move. That's true. It's almost like that is your point of finding the T pose. It's like your legs are not directly above you, but if you mess that portion of it up, then you lose the amount of, like push time that you have out of your round off like that's the pause point in gymnastics but in tricking it's it's really different <laughs> yeah it's because you have split legs i mean you can see it when you do like your cartwheel back walk over say pot flash from that then you would see say that because that is gymnastics and they even do that on the beam you know, on the beam, especially with all the single leg tricks, you see a lot of the momentum transfer and a lot of T poses and a lot of um, like slow motion and then explosive, slow motion, explosive. So that's and the, the needle stuff. Explosive 
the in-between is usually kind of slow. Or slow enough right. where they can control it. Yeah, that's just them finding their balance and posturing so that they continue some momentum, but they don't need to be going 100 miles an hour. And that's actually relatable to bars where really your hands are doing all the work, so your timing of things has to be pretty accurate on posturing up and like when you're doing certain movements. Because if you do one movement slightly off, it literally just throws off everything. It's pretty crazy for bars. I think a good way to explain this also is when do you breathe? <laughs> That's your posture point. Uh, um, I don't really... Okay, so let me think. <laughs> I, nope. I actually just hold my breath for five minutes. That's I, what I used to do when I started. I used to never breathe during my combos, ever. <laughs> like, two years into tricking, I was like, oh yeah, I probably should breathe. <laughs> but I was, like, yeah. self-conscious about, like, hissing on my kicks because I wasn't a martial artist. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So I'll just hold my breath. <laughs> that's, that's a problem that I have. So if I'm breathing in the middle of a skill, it throws off my concentration. I actually don't breathe when I'm doing skills. Do you breathe when you lift? If I'm if I'm weightlifting, I'll breathe. But um, when I was doing like roundback answering double pikes, I would take that breath before I started running, and I would just hold my breath the whole time until I land. So fucked up. Does it, do you ever like? Do you ever be like, <laughs> like during it? Oh, like, oh god, it would screw me up. Like I did that the other day during a front full. I I wait. You breath. still hold your breath? I do. So I I hurdled oh, and I breathed at the same time. And I was like, oh shit, this isn't going well. <laughs> like, oh no. What? It throws me off. So like... So are you like really, really tense and do you hit the floor really hard? Oh yeah, I fucking slammed the floor. <laughs> that's, that's how I tumbled. My tumbling, my tumbling style was no type of grace. I just slammed that fucker. Oh my Dude. gosh, yeah. It's so funny watching different kinds of gymnasts. I mean, some gymnasts are like silent but they rebound really high and they're like oddly relaxed and oddly tense at just the right time. And then there's other ones who are like so tense and they're just yeah. pounding everything. And you're like, dude, how is your low back existing right now? It doesn't. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it doesn't exist, it doesn't hurt. So we're good. Like the times <laughs> I would breathe would be like in between skills. So like technically like if you count the whole floor routine as its own combo, like I was breathing in between things. She's usually not, during the difficult skill, like you would say, like during your most difficult skill, you're definitely holding your breath. You're not breathing in the middle of being like, All right, I'm doing this, like I'm cork in. I'm gonna take my breath right in the middle of my cork. And no. Okay, so this is actually where. Okay, so I think that I actually breathe quite a bit now, um, but I have to have like, like less than half full lungs. Like I'm not like. <gasps> And, and then doing my full in, you know what I mean? I'm like, during my master scoot, I'm breathing out slightly. And then as I take off, I take a small breath in and flex my abs. Oh, okay. I can see where you're coming so, from. Yeah, and then I, I hold from there. And then I actually, I believe I breathe out on my downward slope. So like, say I'm coming out of my back tuck for a cork in. Say I'm coming out of the, as you call it, shant out. And... As, as I'm slowly opening up my knees to absorb the landing, I I will breathe out like very slowly, very slightly. Okay. Like there'd be like three small bubbles in a pool, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get you. Yeah. Like, huh. 
guess I've never really thought of my breathing during skills 100%. Like, during bars, I, just, I breathe in between, like... Right, it's so long, you have to. Yeah. I mean, if you hold your breath for a minute, and then a half, just, like, doing skill after skill after skill after skill, let me tell you, that is hard. It sounds I, impossible. Like, I tried to control my breathing. So, like, the best time I think I learned to control my breathing was during vault. Because my vault looked the same almost every time I did it, and it almost never changed. So I got my breathing and my steps down like like almost a science where I would take my last breath like one step or two steps before my hurdle. And I would just like, I wouldn't even take like a full breath. It should be like a quick half breath, like you were saying, so you could almost like flex your abs so I could just focus on just really gunning it into the table. So I would just have enough oxygen flowing into my body that I could just literally let it all loose. Just explode. Yeah. That's all I would That makes sense. I mean, okay, so what comes to my mind is when people, like, adjust their pants or, like, fix their hat while they're tricking. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, which is nuts. Yeah, so they'll be, like, in the air doing a cork, and they will actively pull their pants up, or they'll, like, catch their hat while they're flipping or coming out of their flip before they even land, or, like, as they're transitioning to their next trick, they'll still be able to reach out, grab their hat, and then continue. Those are, like, the breathe points. It's, like... There's a point where you activate the trick, and then there's a point where you're at your peak, and then there's a point where you're, I say, like, transferring or like deactivating. Yep. You're like on a downward slope of the trick, um, because the and at the peak is when you're allowed to play with your trick because it is you are you know free floating. There's no gravity at that point, and because you're at the top of the parabola. Um, on the way up, I think is when you do hold your breath at the peak. You can start deciding what you want to do, but it really depends on if you're doing a variation or what you're changing at the peak. Or um, if you're doing like an ice cork, then you can breathe at the peak because you're just flexing your quads. And then um, and if you're good at it, you flex your calves, but I'm not there yet. So, and then on the way down, then you can definitely breathe. And then say you're going to do another swing, then I would take a slight breath in and engage my posture as I'm coming down, but the, then this is also what I talk about having that big Eagle, having the legs split more then touch down and then have that big long swing. That's going to allow that needle point. You know, you're going to get the 45s on your half circle for that needle to get in the middle where you want. Um, and then if your leg is closer to your other leg, if they're, if they're not split very much, then your needle points are going to be your 45 is not going to be 45. So it's going to be much closer together. back to a little bit more so actually i shouldn't say going back to i actually want to begin a related topic but more of a personal experience when you were a beginner what was what was the point where you really like pushed yourself to like get that first skill or like that skill that you're just like i need to do this and like there's no reason that i shouldn't be doing this I think the biggest skill that I was like, man, this is tricking and I need to get this because I want to be a tricker. A lot of the skills I learned initially, I learned because I just thought they were cool, but I didn't know really what tricking was and I didn't understand that they connected to each other. So I was just doing the tricks to do the tricks and I just enjoyed the process and I enjoyed showing them to people and being like, yeah, this is really fun. I would love to do it with anybody. So I just wanted to show people to draw them in. And um, also to show off because why wouldn't you? 
And uh, but then B twist swing cork was like, holy shit, that is a those are both single twisty moves. And I was literally just touching on single twisty moves. So being able to because kicks just didn't matter. I was like, if I do tornado cheat nine, it's like okay, whatever. Like I'm not flipping. I'm just vert twisting, and my kicks look fucking awful. So I don't. <laughs> I'm not impressed by it, you know. And if I even if I do like tornado cheat nine hook aerial scoot cork i'm like okay like cool it's just there's so many hand touches there's so many pauses there's so many redirects i just knew immediately that it was like each trick is basically separate but when you do a b-twist cork you get that intermingling of the tricks you get like the cork starts while the b-twist is still ending it's like they're they're not cut off you know independently like you could do a hook scoot where they are cut off independently but you're not supposed to, but you can, you can, you know yeah. what I'm saying? You could do a cheat nine hook where they are separated tricks, but you don't want to. And if you do it properly, they should intermingle. But as a beginner or even as a master, you can decide as a master, you can decide to do it wrong. And as a beginner, you don't have that choice. <laughs> oh, you really don't. <laughs> right. Which is totally fine. You just need to know that you're doing it wrong or you need to know that there is something beyond what you're doing, but you need to know that what you're doing leads into that and not just scratch it. I, I see that all the time where people are like, Oh, this is wrong. And then they just stop what they're doing and they restart. And you're like, no build on it. Yeah. Just like start off from, from scratch. That's not usually the answer. Right. Not. <laughs> Cause there's always something to learn. Even if it's like, don't do this. Okay. Then just don't do that one thing. But all the other hundreds of things that you're doing, keep <laughs> keep it. Right? So, um, wanted to say, for me, it was two things. This okay. handstand, which is a harder than it seems like in the beginning, especially when you're a little kid and there's like, it's not like you're weak at the same time, not exactly strong yet at that point. Well, and the standard for holding a handstand in gymnastics is insane. So, like, learning a press handstand was, like, one of the first big things that I was really proud that I was able to do. Um, I guess there's three, because I really sucked upon the horse. Me getting a circle for the first time, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was rough for me. Then, uh, getting a back handspring, because I will never forget that I always tell kids, at least you're learning a back handspring in a safer way than I did. Like, what do you mean? I was like, I did back handsprings in class. We did them over a barrel, and then I got spotted a few times, and then it was just, I was like, by myself. And I was on an eight-inch mat, and I, I landed on my head a lot. I was just, one day, I was just like, I don't want to do that anymore. How do I fix this? I just started <laughs> jumping harder and hoped that, I, and just tried to put my hands down and not land on my head. That's what That's I did. That's pretty much how I learned a back handspring. And... I was having trouble with back handspring, and I was having trouble getting my double full consistent, so I actually took a gymnastics class for, like, a month or two, I think. I don't know how long it was exactly. It, I think it was I think it was two months. It was, like, eight classes total or something, um, so, like, one a week. And uh, I went in, and basically, he's like, you're good enough to just send the back handspring, and then I'll just, like, help you adjust it. There's no reason to learn it from the ground up. And I was like, okay. <laughs> my, I just remember my wrists hurting so bad and like me like bumping my head because my arms were not holding myself up because my tech was so wrong. You're like, uh... 
was like, this is trash. I hate back handspring for life. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason that I was comfortable landing on my head is because one of the first skills like you have in your routine for guys is a front head spring. To learn how to actually go down to your head correctly. So like I wasn't afraid of landing head because I knew how to do it. Because you got no. that schneck. Like I was like, it's the same thing going backwards. So I mean if I know how to control myself going forwards, like it should just be the same thing. Like, alright. The worst thing I do it's, is just do a back head spring. Okay. And that's that's why that's why men get injured a lot more than women. Because <laughs> <laughs> I follow your logic, but also it's very wrong. Oh, I know. <laughs> I look back at it and I'm like, God, how did I get where I got to? Because this doesn't make sense. You're like, yeah, I definitely could have died from that. <laughs> I'm like, I teach back hand springs way differently than I remember like eventually just doing it by myself. So Okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I wanted to touch on um, power skills. So, for example, when you guys learn a double back, do you learn it from round-off back handspring? Do you learn it from round-off? I'm assuming you do it on um, trampoline first. Like, I guess a trickers progression is doing it, I guess, on trampoline and then doing it by itself on floor and then learning to combo into it on floor. But for you guys, it's like trampoline, combo on tumble track, prep on floor, combo on floor. Ooh, that's actually kind of um, I remember the way Say I like, learned yeah, double, like double back. Yeah, the way I learned double back, uh, we did a lot of lead-up drills before throwing it the first time. So I learned it out of round-up back hands. You can learn out of round-off. That doesn't really matter. Um... We usually, I think in my gym, just almost required everybody to do round-off back handspring, so that wasn't a thing. And we would do round-off back handspring back tucks up onto mats that were just, like, super high. Essentially, probably, like, head height, if not maybe a little higher. And we would so, do does it matter if you have a back handspring in gymnastics? I mean, like, <laughs> like obviously it matters, but I'm saying, like, it gives, do you have to do it every time? Or is it preferred for most people? I think it's I just... preferred, but it's not required. There's no actual requirement in the rules. And if a coach is listening to this and they get mad at me, that's fine. Just leave a comment about it. But <laughs> um, technically, the back handspring is not required at a certain point. It's just preferred because it gives you more power. It, it's a sec. It, I mean, the round off starts the combo. In the back handspring or a whip back or something can add a little bit more juice to it because you're increasing the speed. Then it's almost like a breathing point with no direction change. Well, like, I guess body orientation is a better way to say that. So that's but why, yeah. like, a lot of people do that. So, like, people that do, like, super big twisting seals that aren't twisted double flips, you will see just do round off because the back handspring is not needed at that point because you don't need a super hard high flip. Just need to go high enough and rotate just enough to like finish the flip. That makes sense. Wired the backhand. Yeah. Like if you're doing any type of double back, you'll usually see most people do. The body orientation stays the same, so you can generate more flip because your hips are coming down from sooner. You know, it's kind of like uh, I think that's why aerial front swings are so difficult. Because you're starting forwards and ending forwards, but you still have that sideways motion. So you're actually, you are twisting, you know, it's almost like an untwist trick. 
And so you're coming out forwards out of, you know, basically twisting left versus, say, a G-switch where there is, or even a cork, your leg can start from so much higher. And it starts from above you. Just like a back handspring, you know, your legs are coming from above you, not, you know, and I know around enough time it's supposed to come from the side, but you get what I'm saying, where your hips are still turning. They're still, so. they're still in movement, so they have to go somewhere. But, um, right. So, so, yeah, this progression. Yes. Sorry. I wanted to th- I was like, okay, how do I re get back to this? Oh, uh, yeah. So we do like round off back answer back tucks or round off back tucks onto something that's usually about head height or a little bit higher. Let me do, I just called them double back timers. I didn't, there's not really a name for it. We just did essentially just over flip the back tucks. So you go to your back. Right on the floor. A bunch of times. Just keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that. And like, then we, some of us would just, like, play around with just, like, doing any back tuck to your back. And then we'd go over to the trampoline. We would do... And, and you're doing this, you're doing this just on the floor. No mats. Oh, we do the, <laughs> do the back tuck to your back, like, onto mats. Like, okay, okay. no, not just onto the floor. Oh, God, that would hurt. Oh. Well, some people do that, so I was just well, making sure. That's just dumb, but... <laughs> oh. No, it, work, it works for them, I promise. Um, then we would go on to, like, a trampoline, we'd do the back tuck to your back, and do, like, a back old summy out of it. I think you know what I mean. I just call it a dump over, but, like, I don't know what if there's a good name for it, like a backward pumpkin roll, I guess, is what my kids call it, which is a weird mm-hmm. I've I've only called it dump over forwards. I've never called it dump over backwards, but that makes sense. Don't have a good name for it, so you just bounce on your back and literally go to your feet. You do that a couple times, and it, and then the coach is just like, all right for it i'll stand here there'll be a mat like i'll help if you need it but you just pull and hold longer than you think you need to this time the first time's always the scary one because you don't know how long it's going to take to get the second flip it's like it takes for fucking ever it's so bad because that second rotation is all so i mean it's blind and you've never felt that before and doing as you called the pumpkin roll it teaches you to almost open up at like at the wrong time, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you have that memory down and you're doing a double back and you start to, like, open but then continue rotation, that's like, oh, gosh, you're, like, barely <laughs> cheating death. <laughs> then we work, um, we do double backs into the, so the way we learned it after that, after you could do it on trampoline. So, re- so you really learned it in trampoline before doing it into a foam pit. We would also just, like, throw them into a foam pit, but, like, we wouldn't put mats down unless you were going high, yeah. and you could do it on a trampoline. See, I always forget that foam pits exist, because triggers just don't use foam pits. It really is good for learning double oh flip rotation. God, if you need to <laughs> learn some tumbling, it's a foam pit. It is, like, you will feel so stupid that you've never used one before if you've never used it, because you're like, oh my god, I don't even have to worry about crashing. I could just focus on... Except when I hit my face on the edge that I took off of, yeah. Well, yeah, but, you know, we don't do double corks where we hit our face on a wall, so, you know. But, okay, wow. <laughs> but I'm talking about, like, any other trick. Because if I, I rebound real hard, I will still come down, like, six inches, That's you know? Very true. Yeah. Or I'll be like, I'm definitely not hitting this ledge, and I'll go back six feet. And I'll be like, That's not good tech, but it works. Right. And then, um... After the pit and we can land on mats because like when you're putting mats down in the pit it still feels like oh, well it's just in the pit so it's fine if like i screw up and then you go over to the resi which is essentially just a big mat that's 
in the floor. And then you do it over there the first time. Usually the coach is there spotting because for some reason mentally it's different, even though it really isn't different. And you do it the first time, and the coach probably just doesn't do anything, or if they help you, it's very little. I remember my coach, I think he might have stood there I think the first time, and he was like, yeah, I don't need to be there. <laughs> was it? The resi is my favorite thing. And then, and then you do it on the... Well, we didn't even just go straight to the floor after that. Like, we would land in the resi, you would land with the mat on the resi, then you would land above floor in the resi, so, like, onto an extra 8-incher, then you'd put the 8-incher on the floor, do it on the 8-incher, and then do it on the floor. Like, if you can land an extra 8 inches in the air, you have zero reason to say, I can't do this on the floor. Right. Even though it's so terrifying. What I used to do for big skills that I would train into the pit first, because I did, even though I hate it. So I would train a, a trick into the pit, and then I would want to do it on the floor, and then I would be too scared to do it on the floor. So I would look at the foam pit, and I'd be like, I'm not nervous to do it into the foam pit. And then I would quick turn around and send it on the floor before I could think about it. God. <laughs> and it worked really well, because my body was like, okay, we're going to do it, because we're doing it into the foam pit, and that's fine. And then I would I'm turn sorry. around, and I would my brain wouldn't have time to adjust and be like, no, this is scary. I'd be like, you're doing it into the foam pit. Don't worry. <laughs> I've, I've actually done that with some skill with learning a uh, standing back tuck to a kid it would do it perfectly fine into the resi I would have a mat down it'd be the same mat it would be a, still like a hard surface into the resi even though it's soft I'd have the mat down the back tuck perfectly fine turn around and do it on the floor and I'm like okay turn around do it into the resi alright stand up do it just go right away on the floor yeah and they did and they're like oh I was like yeah it's no you gotta trick yourself. <laughs> yeah, those are some those are some beginner cheat codes right there for real. Sometimes you just have to trick yourself. Like I okay. This is really sad. Being where like I got to and like what I can say that I can do and stuff. I was absolutely terrified of doing a backdrop on a trampoline. Like I could not That is the saddest it. thing I've ever heard. I know. It you know how long <laughs> it took me to get myself to do an actual backdrop? Oh gosh, how long? Months. How long? Months. I just hear months. Two, two, dose, dose. Oh, two months. Geez. It took me sixty days. It took me that long because I had to trick myself into doing it. I couldn't just like do it, and I couldn't figure out why. But eventually, I came up with the idea. I was like, I'll just act like I'm getting tripped. Right. And I did. Get myself <laughs> to do it. I, I've taught That's kids hilarious. that. Like. They'll be afraid of landing on their back the first time. Or, like, jumping off a springboard into the foam pit so I can start teaching them standing back tucks. Like, well, that's just terrifying to land on your back. Just fall backwards. Like, okay, and then when I start adding the jump, they're like, that's too terrifying. I'm like, just like act like someone is kicking your legs out from underneath you as you jump. <laughs> it works. so much scarier. It's just so much worse. I know, but it, hey, if it works, it works. If it works, it works. It's really stupid, but it took me two months to finally just, like, go from two feet. And once I did it, I was like, this is... wasn't scary at all. <laughs> What's my problem? That's great. So, um... I guess what I learned from your double back progression is that, essentially, when you get it on... It's hard to relate it to tricks, but I'm trying to say, like, if you can do a double cork from a setup, um, just relating that setup as much as you can to your combo 
is the best thing you can do, which sounds really obvious, but it's not always done that way. So putting it into practice. Say that, yeah. So say you can do TDR double cork and then, or even better, say you can do cart double full and you're like, okay, I'm going to do a combo with that. And you go, okay, so my combo is going to be cheat nine, cheat nine, hook, scoot, and then you're going to swing your foot forward and do a cart dub? I don't think so. Because your normal cart dub setup is probably a big spin step or a big run. And so let's say now you're going to be like, okay, that didn't work. So I'm going to do cheat nine, cheat nine, hook, cart dub. Okay, it's a little closer, but a hook doesn't have a lot of travel. It doesn't resemble a spin step enough so your cartwheel is essentially standing um a lot less so than like than like a scoot swivel or whatever you want to call that um so the alternative would be doing a hyper trick because a 540 is basically an aerial version of a spin step so using that to your advantage and learning the weight distribution of being heavy on that right leg and having the body in that T pose so that you can, or basically wound up to prep for that cartwheel, that resembles a spin step. And then try to figure out, okay, well, guess what? A hook kick is not, you don't have to think of it as like a hyper hook or like you're going to go into a redirect. It, a hyper hook lands in hyper. A regular hook kick is hyper. That's the position you're in. So don't overturn your foot. Make sure that it is actually facing the way that you came so that you can hit that T-pose and still get the power for your cartwheel. Because what happens is people will hook kick, put their foot down, and they'll be like, now I'm going to cartwheel. Like, no, your cartwheel already started. (laughs) Don't put a pause halfway through your cartwheel, essentially. That doesn't make a lot of sense. I stop and not carry the momentum through. You stop. You have to now recreate that momentum. Right. That's because they think the trick stops. And then starts, but they—that's what the T poses are all about—is about transferring the momentum, so that they're overlapping each other, and that's how momentum is carried through your combo. And so, just figuring out how you're performing your tricks so that they relate to your combos is essential for using those bigger moves in your combos and learning how to adapt your style and adapt your momentum transfer to connecting different skills with each other. And then something else is maybe you shouldn't do cheat nine, cheat nine hook. Maybe you should just do tornado hook. So like you're not being so greedy with your combo. Just do the combo at the easiest version of the combo you can first because you'll learn something from it and then upgrade it because there's there's no shame in doing a basic simple combo which is really hard for me to do. And right now I, I'm dealing with this hyperextended knee and I'm training on grass and all my combos feel so basic and boring. And I'm doing like a lot of, you know, backside nine hook and cheat nine hook, side swipe, like really like super cookie cutter bullshit. But it's what I have to do. And I'm still learning from it. My muscles are getting strength back because I'm training so basic. So... It's just going through the motions and teaching your body how to properly transfer energy and to not, you know, basically all I'm doing right now is retraining my nervous system to allow myself to re-straighten that leg and point my toes again. Because when I point my toes, I flex my quad. And when I flex my quad, my leg is straight. And when my leg is straight, 
I get really scared. (laughs) That's understandable. So, right. And it's basically, that's all I'm doing. And it's the same thing when you're a beginner, you're training your nervous system to properly transfer momentum. You're training your nervous system to not, you know, shut down, you know, or freak out or react improperly while you're, you know, upside down and in dangerous positions. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Uh, Do you have anything else? No, I mean, did you have any more questions or anything else you wanted to add? Uh, I think I'm good, actually. Okay, cool. All right. Well, sweet. Uh, Hopefully that helps you guys. See you next time. Next time. Don't forget to follow us on the underscore flip underscore side underscore podcast on Instagram. And C-H-R-I-S-P-Y underscore T-R-I-X. That's Crispy Tricks on Instagram. And I also have another YouTube channel, Tricks Fix, T-R-I-X space F-I-X for more tutorials and other things. And we'll see you guys next time.